0: Thanks for joining us today at Divine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
1: We stand before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, all because of what Jesus has done for us. Stand before our Father in heaven. How great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven, spoke your name into And through the darkness, your loving kind tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my living hope we sing hallelujah
2: Well, how are you, church? You good? Good. It's great to be with you guys uh, this week as we continue our series, Tools for Life, where we're taking a look at how in this crazy season of our life with the kind of kickoff of the cultural calendar with school going back into season and the, the busyness and the craziness of life, how uh, the Bible can speak to those areas of our life that cause us to feel a little crazy, maybe a little uh, disoriented and a little fragmented and uh, live out the life that God intended for us to live. And today we're going to continue that series and that conversation by talking about how um, there is a tool for one of the greatest uh, universal desires that we all have, and that is the desire to belong. But before we do that, just have a quick question for you. How many of you have ever been to a place where you did not feel like you belonged? Ever been to a place where you did not feel like you belong? How many of you would say that's this church? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Anyways, so, yeah, don't raise your hand if, uh, if the vine is that place where you don't feel like you belong. Yeah, we've all kind of been there. In fact, I had a recent experience where that was the case for me. Um, my oldest son, Brayden, uh, decided this year that he was going to play football. And so we were joining football ranks um, over at Mill Creek Athletic Association, super like busy. There are a lot of kids over there that are playing football. In fact, in his age division, seventh grade, there's three specific uh, there's three teams uh, to address that need. There's about 25 kids on each team. So a lot of kids going in and we're brand new to that, even though he's been playing sports through uh, Mill Creek Athletic Association for a long time. Uh, we knew some people, but there's always a risk when you're doing something new and that is that you don't know anybody. And so we were kind of like, you know, going through the pros and cons of getting on um, some of the teams. There was like a, an elite team that that had gone undefeated in previous seasons, except for the semifinals of the playoffs for the past two years. Then there was another team that had a, a pretty good winning record. Um, and then there was a third team that was basically comprised of a new coach. There's going to be a lot of new kids. And uh, the team, the third team last year, they didn't score a touchdown the entire year. They got one first down the entire year. So we were going through the, y'all like, oh, yeah. And, uh, and so we were like, oh, maybe we should pray. You know, so like we were going through, like the pro of being on that team is like, hey, Bray, it's your first year, dude. You might get to play a lot on that team. Um, but we were also, you know, to improve or to learn football, maybe to get on that first team. Well, we got on that first team. That like like elite team, the really good team, and uh, and I didn't tell Braden this, but I was like super nervous about that, um, primarily because like they they had been together for a long time. In fact, eighteen of their twenty five players this year had been together and played together since they were six years old. And so I was like, oh, Braden might not have a spot on that team, you know? And so like I was nervous, and when we went to the first practice, I was like super nervous, like that we might not feel like we belong, and and that was eased right off the bat when one of Braden's. Uh, former uh, teammates on a baseball team, saw Braden across the field and was like, hey, Braden!" you know, and like waved at him. I was like, oh, good for Braden." But no parent was like, hey, David, you know, like, so I never got that. Um, and so I was looking for that. So like, I had to do what, um, what I, I had to do, which was muster up as much extrovertedness that I have in my body. And I'm on the scale of extroverted, but just barely. And so I was like, all right, all right, extrovert in this, you know? And so I went to find the parents that looked like they didn't belong either, you know? And I was like, hey, I'm David. Ah, oh, it's your first year too, that's great. Hey, let's hang out until the people arrived that I actually know, you know? And so um, and so that was one of those moments where it just kind of like, it didn't feel like I belonged initially and I'm still trying to get there. Like Braden, after the first week, earned a spot in the first string offensive line. Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah about half of y'all clap. At 9.15, like one person was clapping. I was like, yeah, anyway, so... Um, yeah, and uh, but but I, don't, I haven't, sh- like, earned that spot in, like, first string parent yet, you know? Like, you know what I mean? Like, were you on the end on everything? And so um, I'm still working to feel like I belong, even though Braden feels like he belongs. Um, we've all had those moments where we feel like we don't belong. And I'm not talking about those movie moments where that kind of nerd prep walks into the biker bar, you know, and has that moment like, oh, I'm in the wrong place. That, that's not what I'm talking about. Those moments where you show up in just kind of the course of life, and you're like, I'm not sure if I feel like I belong. In fact, maybe some of you, your past experiences in church have been that you felt like you didn't belong in church. Um, we've all had those moments that we could recount and tell of a moment where we didn't feel like we belong. By contrast, we all have those moments where we felt like we belong places. How many of you have gone to a place and you feel like you belong at a place? Yeah. Uh, by show of hands. Okay. So only a few of you. Uh, uh, let me ask that question again. This is a participatory sermon. So how many of you have gone to a place and you felt like you have belonged? How many of you would say it was the fun? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so no pressure to raise your hand on that. Um, yeah, we all have those moments. For me, another one of those moments happened just recently a few months ago. I got back into CrossFit. Um, by the way, how, many, how do you know that a person does CrossFit? Don't worry, they'll tell you, okay? So um, <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, so like I started back at CrossFit just a few months ago. Uh, many of you know, if you've been at the Vine for a long time, it's well chronicled that I've done CrossFit. In fact, we did it for four years, uh, Liz and I, before we made a change. And we went to this thing called Orange Theory Fitness. Um, And uh, I just got to a place after two years where I missed barbells. I just missed lifting a bar. Um, And so I was like, Liz, I'm going back to CrossFit. And she actually joined me. And we signed up to to join CrossFit Faded Glory, which is right around the corner. It takes about a minute and a half to get there. And uh, it's an amazing place. And so like, I walked into that environment, even though I was brand new, but I felt like I belonged, um, primarily because I had experience with CrossFit, um, but also because of the culture and the climate of CrossFit, it's really weird how. Um, CrossFit creates this immediate sense of community. You walk in and, and people know if you're new, but they don't treat you like you're new. They're like, hey, I haven't seen you. My name is, and they fill in the blank. And, and then you get about where you start talking and you start to get to know each other. And then immediately you're jumping in a workout together. And the people that are, you know, beating you to death in the workout, they're cheering you on and they're telling you great job and they're encouraging you. And so immediately you walk in the CrossFit environment and you feel encouraged. In fact, uh, some of our friends from CrossFit are here today and they were a part of like, making me feel welcome and belong. Um, I started on a Thursday. The day of Friday was the first of what they call the open workout. That's to qualify for CrossFit games and by no means was I close to qualifying. In fact, as I was close to death, um, one of the guys who's here was like coming over, he had already finished like long before. And he was like, hey, good job. You want me to help you up off the ground? You know, like <laughs> so, like just immediate sense of feeling like you belong. And, and that is something that we all long for. In fact, there is a universal desire that we all have to belong. It's a longing to belong. People long to belong. To define belong is to identify with something or someone else, something that's outside of you that you want to identify with. And this is a desire that we have because it's a design that we have. Like we believe in the church that God created us in his image and his likeness. And one of the crazy things that we believe is that God is a communal God. One of the crazy, if this is your first time in church, this is going to blow you away. All right, we believe that there's one God, just one God, but who exists in three persons. Don't ask me to explain it. People have been trying to explain this for a really long time, and they have a hard time doing it, and every one of our metaphors falls short in some way, but we believe that there's one God who exists in three persons, and we call those three persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we believe that there is one God who exists in community with God's self, We believe that there's one God who belongs to God's self through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so if we're created in God's image and God's likeness, then by design, we actually have built into us a desire to belong. First to our creator and then among creation. Like, it's built into our design, so therefore, we have a desire for it, we have a longing for it, and all psychologists and sociologists would agree that emotionally speaking, this is one of the basic needs of life, it is to belong. It's to belong and they would you know, depending on the scale of where they are in faith, they would probably you know agree or disagree at some level about that need to belong to God in relationship with God and then to belong to other people, but definitely, the need to belong is a universal desire that we all have and um and then sociologists have gone further, and they've said that. This need to belong is actually experienced in four different spaces in life. Four different spheres of life or spaces in life. If you're taking notes, this might be just something interesting for you to write down. That The first is, is called the public space. This is in a, a larger group setting. Um, this is in a larger like square footage type space where there is a desire that people to belong, want um, to belong in something that's bigger than themselves. You know, numerically and in, and in size. And so, this is why, you know, just a couple of weeks ago when Sugarland is in town, like people pay money and go to a, to a country concert. There's no other reason to go to a country concert except for to belong to, I'm, I'm joking, that was, I'm joking, all right, yeah, Sugarland country music is great. Um, but like people pay money to go to a large event where a lot of people have gathered so you can identify with something or someone else. Um, it's why, in two weeks, does anybody know what's happening? okay, well, I wasn't going to specify, but since you said it, go dogs, um you know college football kicks off, and why people will pay a lot of money to dress up real nice, maybe even better than they do at church to to go and to sit in the sun and to bake outside and to cheer for teenagers who you know catch. A piece of leather. Like that's crazy and absurd, but why do we do that? Because we have a desire to belong to something or someone else to identify with it. And we desire that and we can experience that in the public space. The next space that we uh, desire to experience that in is, is called the social space, the social space. And, and experts won't agree on the like exact um, n- number of people that qualify for social space, but a, a smaller than public space where you're gathered typically with some uh, amount of people in the teens. Uh, That smaller space is not just numerically, but it's also in square footage. Uh, We're in a social setting. You can let some of yourself be known to other people, to kind of experiment on whether they'll accept you and and whether you can have affinity with them or not. And so students, this is kind of built into like your life as a student, your classroom. Classrooms used to be kind of in that social setting number in the teens. Now, you know, if you go to schools around here, it's a lot more than that. And actually it's interesting because uh, studies have shown that once you get past about 18 students in a classroom, classroom performance starts to dip a little bit. Um, And because you move from a social setting that's kind of like hardwired to us to experience um, that sense of belonging, social space. Um, Then you move from social space into personal space. And this can range from anywhere from three to like eight people. This would be when you have a hard time identifying maybe your best friend, it's because you've got a lot of really, really close friends. And so you say, I've got a, a, a few best friends, you know, closest friends, the people that you go beyond the social level or, or the kind of like surface level of who you are to a more um, personal level, a deeper level. And you know you know that these are people that you would link arm in arm with and, and, and battle, you know, life's battles with. With. These are the people that are gonna walk with you through that. I got some students over here, you know, looking at their right and their left, and it's like, this is my personal, you know, space right here on one row, you know? That's that personal space. And then the, the last space, the fourth space, where we all desire belonging is called the intimate space. And when I say intimate, I'm not talking about like uh, physical intimacy, like romance and physical intimacy. I'm talking about just emotional intimacy where somebody knows you better than anybody else, You're like one identify, if it came down to it and you had to identify a person that knows you better than anybody else, who is that person gonna be? And it could be a a best friend who's closer to you than like a brother or a sister. Um, It could be a spouse, you know, who, who you've been completely vulnerable with and transparent with. They've seen you at your best. They've seen you at your worst and they are still committed to those vows that they express to you. Those are the people that know the naked truth about you in one form or another and they still accept you and they love you and they're there for you. That's the need to belong. And so we have this desire in those four spaces and places to belong. And yet what happens and one of the reasons why we feel disconnected and maybe sometimes life feels chaotic and crazy and we go, hey, there's got to be something more is because as you move through life in certain phases of your life, certain spaces are phased out of your life. Like once you graduate and you get out of that kind of young adult phase of life, have you noticed how social spaces have become harder and harder to find? It's because it's no longer built into just kind of like your routine of life. And so you might find that throughout life, certain phases that you're in phase out certain spaces where you're kind of designed and you desire to belong. And and not only do we have that that happens through like the phases of life where we phase out certain spaces in life where we belong, but then there's certain things that replace that or attempt to replace that and they just can't. Um, and one of the things that's happened to us culturally is this thing called social media where we connect virtually with people and we confuse being connected at a, at a, at a, a greater rate than any other connection than we've ever had before with being reality. And it's not, it's virtual reality. It's virtual social. How many of you have been a friend with a person on Facebook and then you see that person live and you didn't know that y'all were friends on Facebook? You ever had one of those moments where you're like, hey, we're friends on Facebook. Oh really? Okay, I need to go back to my filtering process and figure out like how we know each other. <laughs> you know? Like you ever had those moments? Or what about this? What about this? Where you feel like you've got more friends on like Facebook or social media than you do in actual real life? Um, there's an interesting um, there's an interesting survey that's being done on the impact of smartphones on the teenage generation. And not just teenagers, but um, the entire population. And I was at a conference um, this week. And on Friday, I was in a, in a session with the um, head of the psychology department at the University of California. And so the psychology professor has given like the entirety of her new um, phase of, of life and of study to study the impact of um, smartphones on teenagers. And so we went back over 14 million surveys that have been done over a few decades to track um, teenagers and um, graduates from high school over, over those decades to see how they would rate their overall satisfaction in life and their overall happiness in life. And something happened drastically in 2011. And, and before that, things were kind of like steady and there might be some, some individual kind of blips on the radar screen where it would go high and then go low. Um, uh, and, and, and a general incline to in 2011, things started to take a drop and on the decline and they're still continuing to decrease. You know what happened in 2011? Over 50% of the population for the first time had a smartphone. The average age of kids getting smartphones is 11 years old. And so what happened in 2011 is that a number of things happened, but overall the the dissatisfaction with life among graduates and teenagers has climbed exponentially. The number of kids that state that they were unhappy in life and that is indicated through things that we don't have time to get into, but harmful behavior in a number of different extremes as drastically exponentially inclined. And now studies are starting to to come out about adults who are starting to feel, though they're more connected digitally and virtually than ever, are feeling more disconnected than ever, more dissatisfied with life and more unhappy than ever. Why? Because we have a design and a desire to belong. And that smartphone or that device that sits in front of us, it can't fill that void. And when any of those four, and any combination of those four are missing from our lives, something is gonna be noted as missing in our life, primarily satisfaction, fulfillment, happiness, which maybe we would translate in faith terminology to be joy. And we could have 2,000 friends on Facebook and have no friends in real life. And so today I wanna offer you a tool that God has given us that can actually provide for you a unique space to belong in the space and spaces where maybe we don't feel like we belong. And that tool is the church. might not be the space and the place that you were expecting me to say. But that place is the church. The church is uniquely designed to offer to us the spaces where we belong to the people who feel like there's not a space for them to belong. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. The church uniquely provides space where people don't think they belong to say to them, you belong here. And if you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, I wanna invite you to go with me to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, we're gonna be reading from uh, today. And so if you don't have a copy of the Bible, we'd love to give you a free copy of the Bible out in the lobby. Um, You can pick one of those up. We believe that if you'll engage in that on on a daily basis in combination with God's spirit in you, some amazing things will happen in your life. And when we take a look at the passage that we're reading today, just to give you a little bit of context, we're actually getting a description of the first church, first ever church. And so uh, maybe this is your first church experience. We're going back to the first church experience ever, Acts chapter two. And what happened leading up to that? is that Jesus um, who died and then came back from the dead has uh, gone to be, uh, gone back to heaven. That's what we believe. It sounds a little crazy. And he gave some instructions to his followers, which are about 120 in number at this point, okay? And so Jesus had a gathering of about 120 followers. And he said, hey, I want you to pray until the power of the Spirit of God comes on you, okay? I want you to pray until that. So they pray for about 10 days. And then in a Jewish festival called Pentecost, where people are gathered, millions of people are gathered in the capital city to celebrate this Jewish festival, the Holy Spirit comes on these 120 followers and there's demonstration of the power of God present in their life. And um, they have their first ever like public worship service as a new church. So 120 people on the launch team. There are millions of people in the audience. I don't know how many are immediately there that could hear this first public worship service, of what God's doing and and the proclamation of what God has done through Jesus. But what I do know is that 3000 people are added to this first church in one day. That's awesome. That's incredible. And so you've got this 120 launch team, You've got this 3,000 that have added to the church. And then immediately after the 3,000 kind of join into the church, we see this description of the new church. And I want you to see if you, um, if you can see where this, this new tool, this church is a place where people belong. Listen to this description of the first church. And they, that's the 3,120 devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came over every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, by day by day, by day by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. Okay, no. (laughs) Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, by day by day, by day by day, those who were being saved. And doesn't it sound like a group of people who belong together? I mean, it's hard to deny the fact that when you read the description of the first church, it's pretty evident that they belong to one another. Would you agree with that? Okay, the participatory part of the message is where I ask a question and you go, yes. They they belong together. And and it's interesting to me that as this group of people that was first 120 belonged together, that then 3,000 people joined in that. And as they belong together, Then the Lord added to their number day by day, by day by day, those that were being saved, that were joining in the ranks of those that were being saved. There's something about the church that provides a unique space for people to belong, where there's people who don't feel like they belong. And the reason that the church is able to do that is because the church has one unique message. If you didn't know this, This is the one unique message that the church has. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. It'll be on the screen. All people belong to the kingdom of God. All people belong to the kingdom of God. We get our one message from the unique message of Jesus. Though he taught about a lot of things. In fact, just last week, we talked about how he talked about money a lot. The one message that he had that was foundational to everything else was that the kingdom of God was available to all people. And if you're not familiar with the kingdom of God, basically the kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God is the reign and the rule of Jesus Christ. It's where God rules and his people reside. Uh, basically, if you need a, another kind of like ground level, a little bit dirtier, you know, kind of connotation for the kingdom of God, basically the kingdom of God is when Jesus rules your life through a personal relationship with him. That ruling of God in our lives through a personal relationship with him, it's available to all people. And this was the first time in the history of the world 2,000 years ago, when God in the flesh, Jesus shows up and he announces that the kingdom of God is available. It it was a unique message 2,000 years ago. It's still a unique message today. It's different than all other faiths in the world. It's different than all other religions in the world. It is a message that God's kingdom is available to all people, whether they're religious, irreligious, or non-religious. And you see Jesus declare this message right up front. Hey, turn because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is available to you. And it was a controversial message because at that time, the kingdom of God was only available to religious people, religious professionals who followed like certain rules and guidelines for their life. And they thought if they would follow those rules and those guidelines, that they could enter into the kingdom of God, that they could enter into an internal relationship with Jesus. And Jesus comes along and he's like, hey, that's great. It just won't get you into the kingdom. In fact, sometimes it might push you further away from the kingdom. It was a radical message. It was a radical message to irreligious people. These are the people that just kind of flew in the face of Jesus's religion, which was Judaism, um, and, and people that, that um, worship like pagan gods and, and other gods and all kinds of gods, multiple gods. And, and he said, hey, the kingdom of God is actually available to you. But the kingdom of God comes through the one true God. That was his message to irreligious people. And then, and then he had like non-religious people. They were like religious dropouts. They just didn't practice anything. In fact, his first immediate followers could be considered religious dropouts. They weren't professional religious people. They were non-religious people. And he says, hey, come and follow me. The kingdom of God belongs to you. It was a unique message. It's still a unique message. And in a time where religion says, hey, this is what you do to get to God. Jesus comes and he says, no, God is coming to you. And God will do everything that is necessary for you to enter into the kingdom. A personal relationship with God that lasts for all of eternity, where he rules and reigns in your life. It's been done. And it wasn't just the message, it was the ministry of Jesus where he demonstrated that. Ultimately, he demonstrated that when he as an innocent man died on the cross as a substitute for our sin. And the way that we belong in the kingdom of God, not just to the kingdom of God, is when we belong to Christ. When we belong to Christ. And the Bible is clear how we belong to Christ. It's clear, first of all, that Christ has done everything necessary for you to belong to him. The Bible calls that redemption. And the Bible says that redemption is available for everyone who trusts in Jesus as the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life. It was the message that Peter preached that launched Sunday when under the power of the spirit, he stands up and he's like, hey, there's this guy named Jesus. He died and he came back from the dead. And he did that so that the kingdom of God could be made available to you the word redemption means to be bought back. We're bought back from sin and death. And so if you're a person who's placed faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, it means that your life through his death and his resurrection, it's owned by him. Like you belong to Jesus. That's why Paul says, I'm no longer mine, but I'm Christ. That's why the, the word Christian was used as a derogatory comment and term. Uh, The first two times it's used in the Bible, and it's only used three, by the way, and the first two times it was used as a derogatory term, it means slave of Christ. It means that we belong to Jesus. And so the, the way that we belong in the kingdom of God, not just to the kingdom of God, is when we allow Christ to buy us back by trusting him as the Lord and savior of our life. And then something interesting happens. When you belong to Christ, not only do you belong to God and his reign and rule in your life, but you actually belong to the church. You belong to the church. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. All people who belong to Jesus belong to the church. All people who belong to Jesus belong to the church. What that means is that we belong to one another. In fact, I want to invite you to turn to your neighbor and say, you belong to me. Yeah, that could be really awkward if you're sitting next to a dude, you know, and you're dude, you know. In fact, at 9.15, I saw guys going, mm-mm, 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 you know. Like, yeah, but now turn to that other person that you didn't choose to say that to and say, I belong to you. Yeah, and and now some of you are like not coming back to this church. They made me speak out loud to a complete stranger. Yeah, hey, you're welcome here. You belong to the vine. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, um, So yeah, it's this weird thing that, that when we belong to Christ, we actually belong to one another. The main metaphor for the Bible or for the church in the Bible is a a body. And the, um, the illustration is that like, just how one body has multiple body parts, the church is a combination of people that belong to one another. And each of us through our unique strengths and our spiritual gifts, like we have a role to play for one another. And, and so we belong to one another. I mean, and, and the guy who wrote the majority of the Bible under the power of the Spirit says, like, you belong to me and I belong to you. We belong to each other. Like, if you belong to Christ, then you belong to the church and the church is the people that are sitting next to you who belong to Jesus. We belong to one another as individuals for a purpose within the person. And that's the purpose of the person of Jesus, That's the purpose of the church is to be the person of Jesus for a world that needs to know they belong to God. That's the purpose. So we belong to one another. And just listen, listen back in the first description of the church, how they belong to each other. They devoted. That's like you give yourself all in. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They would listen to teachers teach the Bible and truths about God. They devoted themselves to fellowship. We don't use the word fellowship unless you go to church. Like we, in 2018, we just don't use the word fellowship. It comes from a Greek word, koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. Koinonia. And koinonia, it's a great word, but basically it means joint participation. Joint participation. They belong to the joint participation. That's what fellowship means. There's joint participation. There's a belonging to one another. And then we we hear that um, they had um they were all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They were, listen, in Jesus' original launch team of the church, there were people that were politically on the left and politically on the right, and they got along. Wouldn't that be something? That might be the greatest message that, <laughs> that we could give the world. I mean, they had all things. They didn't all agree on everything, all the doctrine, all the theology. They had to work through all that stuff together, but they had all things in common. Look, they belonged to one another in the point when when there was a need, they would sell things and they would give the proceeds to one another. That's, it's unheard of. It's crazy. And then listen to this, day by day, by day by day. That is not working. All right, they attended the temple together. So, I'm proud to announce that we're starting daily worship services. That'll, no, we're not. But we'll be here next Sunday. All right, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Man, that sounds like a community that belongs to, no, to one another. Why do they belong to one another? Because they belong to Jesus. And the church exists to be Jesus, they belong to one another. And what's interesting to me is that in that last verse that I read, as they belong to one another, they belong to one another in two spaces of life that typically we phase out of. The public space, the temple courts, where a larger square footage and a large number of people could gather. And in their homes, a social space, where a number in the teens, unless you got a really big home, Could meet together. They belonged to one another in the public space and in the social space. And I don't know if this was intuition. They they didn't have an instruction manual. They had no instructions about how to do first century church. I do know they had the model of Jesus who let people know in public spaces, sometimes preaching to five, five, maybe 15,000 people at a time that the kingdom of God was available to them who had a social gathering, a social space of 12 men that gathered around him along with a few women is what the Bible says. A social gathering where he let them know, hey, the kingdom of God, it belongs to you and you belong to it. He he had a a personal space where he had three guys that he hung out with from that social space. And and these were his, his three closest. And then he even had someone in that intimate space a brother, a brother in faith who was called the beloved. I I think that they just under the power of the Spirit said, hey, if if it worked for Jesus, it'll work for us. And what we can do is we can frame the two spaces of belonging that typically phase out of our lives. And then through the power of the Spirit and through our intentionality, we can find those other two spaces and they become available to us. And so that's why as a church, we gather on Sunday mornings, public space where hundreds of people, hundreds of people in our community can gather together at one time for a common purpose of praising God We'll devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We'll devote ourselves to prayer. We'll devote ourselves to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to giving for the needs of others. We'll devote ourselves to all that, but where do we do it? In the public space. And then what else can the church provide? A social space. We do that through what we call connect groups. It's a social space. It's where approximately 12 to 16 people will gather for an hour and a half once a week over a span of 12 weeks. We'll take a little break, then we'll start it over again. And you can find out about the 20 plus groups that we have by going to our website and finding out about those groups. But that's a place where you can start to scratch the surface with other people where you can reveal a little bit about yourself, they can reveal a little bit about themselves and through um, affinity with the Holy Spirit, you can press some of those relationships down to a personal level and maybe out of that personal uh, space, you can press down even further to an intimate level. I- I'm not saying, I'm just saying, like we've had a couple of couples who through small group have gotten married. Um, it, it it might be possible, all things through Christ and small groups is possible. You know, like, no. like So, I mean, it just, it might happen. You never know. But what I do know is the church can provide unique spaces for people to belong where they feel like they don't belong. And then through intentionality and work with the spirit, other places where they can belong. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, you're here in the public space. But what about the social space? If any four of those things are missing in this crazy, chaotic, busy life that we have, We're gonna be dissatisfied, unhappy, unfulfilled in the life that God intends for us. And my guess is that for most in this room, if we really evaluated that social setting, we'd say it might be lacking for us. I know it has been for a number of church people. And so we reached out to a couple of folks in our church just to get some, some quotes, some testimony to how powerful that social space in the church can be. And this is what Nicole Stansel who attends our 11 o'clock service who's on vacation this week. Maybe she took vacation because she knew I was going to read this. I don't know. This is what she said. Connect groups at the Vine church changed the way we quote unquote do church. I've always felt like an outsider looking in at any church I've been to. And when we decided that the Vine church was going to be a home for us, we really wanted something more. So we joined a connect group. We were able to make real friends and build real relationships that go beyond waving a friendly hello on Sunday mornings. Having the opportunity to serve and worship with people who actually know you and care about you changes everything. We don't just show up on Sunday, sit quietly in our corner, leave after the last worship song and wait until next week to repeat. We arrive excited to see our friends. We check in and we catch up with them, we worship with them. And then those relationships carry over into our week and our daily lives. There are plenty of other cool things about Connect Groups, but hands down the relationships that have come from Connect Group is what's contributed the most to my sense of belonging at the Vine. That's the power. And if anything is missing from your life, would you let the church do what the church is designed uniquely to do, which is to provide a space for you to belong because you belong to and in the kingdom of God. And I believe the more that we understand we belong in the kingdom of God, the more the world will understand they belong to.
1: In the crushing In the pressing You are making you are in the sorrow, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground, so I yield to you and to you, careful. Hands. When I trust you, I bring new wine out of me in the press in the pressing you are making new wine in the soil You are breaking new ground. You are breaking new ground. So make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I can